The Art of Cocktailia. And it truly is an art, consubstantial with a fine wine or perfectly prepared meal. Some say a great work of art is never finished, yet at times it may be perfect just the way it is. One would never change a note of Beethoven or edit Shakespeare. The anomaly of art is that the ideas of being complete and being finished are mutually exclusive. With gin and vermouth, one can complete a martini, but in the wrong specifications for the drinker, that particular drink in that particular moment may not be finished. Within the pomp and circumstance of tiki, a genre which not only allows for interpretation but encourages it, the idea of a drink being standardized and truly finished borders on absurdity. Take the Mai Tai. There are whole social media accounts dedicated to finding the best one. Shout out to the ultimate Mai Tai on Instagram. Sure, we know the complete list of ingredients, but with such variations in rum styles, proportions, and specialty syrups, can we ever say one version of a Mai Tai is the standard finished cocktail? And if we can't come to a consensus on the most famous drink in our genre, well... Often in studying tiki and tropical drinks, we come across some that share a common flavor profile, but with a minor tweak, the addition or subtraction of an ingredient, the result is just significant enough to warrant a whole new drink. Usually, these share the flavors and terroir of a specific region. Certain profiles we know to be pleasing to our gustatory senses in the same way certain color palettes are pleasing to the eye. In the early 2000s, Orlando, Florida was a mecca of club music. Breakbeat, house, techno. And there I was with my purple Newmark mixer and two Gemini turntables. I never could afford the Technique 1200s that were the industry standard at the time. We were pretty good, though, my friends and I, lugging our record bags and taking turns throwing down at parties. It was magical to watch people dancing and having fun to my own personal mixes. To be able to influence the articulation of a crowd like controlling a marionette. I can make them feel spiritual with a Bob Marley dub, chill them out with a slow break, or simply keep them dancing till they all fell down. One of my DJ mentors, my good friend TJ Henson, once told me the key to a seamless mix is picking two records that already sound alike. We do this in Cocktailia all the time. Today, we're taking a trip to Jamaica to try a few drinks that, although sharing a basic profile, are unique in their own respective ways. Drinks that are complete by virtue of being recorded for posterity but thanks to the passion and curiosity of enthusiasts, may never truly be finished. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Tony. Welcome to Pod Tiki. My journey for this episode began while reading Smuggler's Cove by Martin and Rebecca Kate. Those of you in the genre are familiar, but I try to write these with the idea that I'm speaking to someone with no knowledge of tiki. 
someone like I once was when I began. For the more I dive into the community, the more I find I am on this journey right alongside you. You see, Martin Kate has given us the archetype for ascending to Tiki Nirvana. A spark in the uninitiated lit by a trip to an iconic Tiki temple. The home enthusiast, the reason you're all here, goes from a foray of fresh juices to a fridge full of jars of homemade syrups. The idea that comes from a Tiki party leads to a full-on, all-out home Tiki bar. In order to be a master, one must learn from the master. He studies in the house of Trader, armed with a vision all his own while amassing one of the largest collections of rum and iconic Tiki ephemera in the world. Smuggler's Cove is born in San Francisco, California. Recipes, cocktail and creation, recipes of his own renown. Reach across the land, his empire of Polynesian pop, holding court atop a totem as one of the premier players in this modern resurgence as a preponderance of pop tiki culture. Sorry. I got a little dramatic there. I just really respect this dude. Plus, he wrote the eponymous book Smuggler's Cove, a veritable manual to the genre. Of course, it would not be an episode of Pod Tiki if I didn't point out the things I disagree with. But we'll get there. For now, back to our current journey. For some reason, the summer to fall transition brought to my mind's palate the tastes of Jamaica. Allspice, molasses, dark rich rums. It's not like I can go down to the corner and pick up a bottle of sorrel, so I began perusing my tomes for Jamaican-based drinks when I remembered recently reading in Smuggler's Cove about the 2070 Swizzle. For reasons I will elucidate on momentarily, this sent me on an excursion through flavor, history, and commonality, which has left me many a morning thankful I took notes while my research while I was still in a manner of able countenance and dry mind. A fact about myself that rarely has any reason to come up is that I have always been very good at pattern recognition. From something as simple as a word search puzzle to being able to anticipate situational outcomes based on experiential factors. And though I've only been shackled to this mortal realm for a scant 41 years, it's not only my experiences I speak of. Since I was a child, my eyes and ears have sponged up every bit of humanity I can. We pride ourselves, much like these drinks, on our individuality, on not fitting into a box. But it's remarkable how often we are not that different. How often we all, whether consciously or subconsciously, fall into a pattern of influence. The individual wave may crest at its own pace, but it will recede with the tide into the ocean alongside all the other waves. Wow. I'm getting pretty deep on this one, so before I get any more full of myself, we better get into making some drinks. This episode will cover a few drinks that seem to play off each other while paying homage to the flavors of a region. We're featuring drinks that may not have a rich enough backstory to fit into our overall narrative, but definitely deserve a place in our repertoire. So let's dive in. When the craving for Jamaican flavors hit me, I started with a drink I had made a mental note of. The 2070 Swizzle, created by Martin Kate and Ron Rumus for Smuggler's Cove. This cocktail, at first glance, stood out as exactly the kind of thing I was looking for for my Jamaican fall idea. The drink came about in an attempt to create the ultimate swizzle using the best parts of classic recipes. 
Martin claims several versions of the swizzle were sampled and discarded before settling on the current recipe. And that must have been some session because let me tell you, it only takes about three sips, three sips of this drink. I swear I haven't had any yet. It only takes about three sips for this drink to start making its presence known. And known it is. I thought my research was tough. But they finally came to an agreement that the best rums for the job were Angostura 1919 and Lemonheart 151. Add those numbers together and you guessed it, 2070. Which coincidentally is the year you wake up thinking it is after a night of drinking these. The 2070 Swizzle is a half ounce of lime juice, a half ounce Demerara syrup, a half ounce honey syrup, quarter ounce allspice dram, one ounce column still aged rum, one ounce black blended overproof rum, one dash herb stora, and a pinch of nutmeg. Add all the ingredients to a 10 ounce Collins glass. glass. Fill three quarters of the way with crushed ice and swizzle using a bar spoon or a boilele by spinning by spinning the handle back and forth between your palms while raising it slowly up and down. And yes, we're still talking about a drink here. Go take a cold shower, sailor. Also, check out our tea punch episode for an in-depth look at boileles. Now, 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 now. You may have noticed something weirdly nondescript about those rums. This seems like a good time to go over Martin Kate's system of rum sorting. Rather than delineating by flavor or color as in light, amber, or dark rum, or by historical style, Spanish, British, or French, Kate has created a unique and impressive way of categorizing rum by production method and age. I'm not going to attempt to do it justice, mostly because he already wrote the book, so go check it out for an in-depth examination. But, at a cursory glance, it separates distilling methods like column still and pot still and furthermore dissects them into age groups such as lightly aged, aged, or long aged. There is also a blended category, which is usually column and pot still, or simply various blends within a distillery's own line. That is, except for black blended rum, which is its own thing. Of course, there's a section for rum agricole, wherein the coffee still Haitian rums are separate from the AOC Martinique rums under the purview of French distillation methods, and who even knows where Kohana Hawaiian agricole rum fits in. As you can see, it gets quite confusing. But you do get the hang of it after a while. The rum world has gone unregulated for as long, you know, for so long, and there has been need for a universal system of classification. Or has there? Perhaps, like a great work of art, rum is destined to be left wild and freeform, unfettered and unbridled. If history tells us anything, it's that people who drink rum don't like being regulated. Martin Kate's system makes sense on paper and allows for experimentation with one's own favorite rums, which is really a pain in the ass for a purist who wants to know exactly how the person who invented the drink wants it to taste. For example, within the blended lightly aged category, we find Appleton Estate Signature, Mount Gay Eclipse, Plantation Three Star, and Real McCoy Three Year, four rums that taste pretty dissimilar from one another. In the aged section, we find rums from Jamaica, Barbados, Guyana, and Venezuela. All of those vary wildly in flavor and will most definitely change the profile of your drink depending on which one you use. Now, I admire anyone who sees a perceived problem, addresses it, and fixes it. 
For that, I will always respect and admire Martin Kate. And he does mention that the recipes he borrows from others have been adapted to fit the Smuggler's Cove profile. But the purist in me still prefers the old-school classification method that more informs flavor profile. That is, Spanish style, British style, or French style. Okay, now that I've ruined that potential friendship, let's get back to the 2070 swizzle ingredients. Lime juice, as we know, should always be freshly squeezed, and nutmeg is pretty common, so those are the easy ones. Let's jump into the rum. Now, I stayed within Kate's system, so to keep true to his recipe, for the column-still-aged rum, I used Florida Cana 7-year. Um, column-still is going to be mostly your Spanish style, i.e. Puerto Rican or Cuban rums. As I've mentioned in the past episodes, I find Florida Cana 7 to be very close to aged Cuban rum, which is my favorite. Bacardi 8-year also works quite well in this recipe. As for the black blended overproof rum, I initially went with Plantation OFTD, as I generally don't care for the pungent Lemon Heart 151, but although OFTD is a great replacement in zombies, the rich Demerara notes of Lemon Heart truly are the best choice for this cocktail. Uh, all of that to remind you that I am not an overproof drinker. One of these puts me past where I need to be, like zoning out on a road trip and missing your exit. If you're a bit on the pusillanimous side towards the untoward overproofs, as I am, I find subbing the regular Lemon Heart Demerara rum, or even a dark Jamaican like Myers for the 151, still makes a very tasty drink, fits within the flavor profile, and won't make you miss your exit in life's, on life's highway. <laughs> Next is the Demerara syrup. Basically a simple syrup using Demerara or Turbinado sugar in place of regular white cane. Um, this renders a thicker, richer, more molassesy syrup. The Smuggler's Cove Demerara syrup used in this swizzle and given in the book, it boasts a four-part sugar to two-part water and is way too sweet. Like, beyond cloying. Like, puckered at both ends sweet, if you know what I mean. And if you do, let me know, because I just made that shit up. If you use the... Um, Smuggler's Cove Demerara syrup in this recipe, I would cut the amount in half. You'll still get the thick syrupy consistency that Smuggler's Cove is looking for here, but which I think is the exact syrupy stereotype Tiki Drink spent so long trying to get away from. But alas, we still want that Demerara flavor. It's almost essential for a Jamaican-style palate. So I suggest a one-to-one sugar-to-water mix using a Demerara or a Turbinado sugar. You'll get all that rich molasses flavor without going into a diabetic coma. Nobody wants their feet to fall off while they're drinking a tiki drink. Unless you have a couple of these, and then you might not even notice your feet fell off. Herb Stora is a fun ingredient. Invented by Don the Beachcomber, it was one of his most simple yet effective mixes. And if he meant this to be elusive, he dropped the ball, because the recipe is right in the name. Herb Stora is equal parts Herb Saint and Agostora bitters. Now, Herb Saint is a anise-flavored liqueur, much like absinthe. I used Pernod because I had it on hand, and also in Beach Bum Berry's recipes, he uses Pernod in substitute for Herb Saint a lot. You can mix equal parts in a dasher bottle, which does come in handy for tiki drinks. That's simply the half-and-half half Angostura and Herb Saint. Or if you want to break it into its components, you can use one dash of Angostura bitters to six drops of Pernod, six drops being a one-eighth teaspoon. If you don't have a dasher bottle, a dropper, 
or a one-eighth teaspoon? Well, perhaps you should go sit in the corner of the tiki bar and think about what you've done. Our last ingredient is allspice dram. Now, otherwise known as pimento liqueur. Now, that's not the pimentos you're thinking of that come stuffed in those delicious green olives that um, you know your grandma puts out at Christmas time. But they are the berry of the Jamaican bayberry tree. That berry is commonly known as allspice. The industry standard is a brand called St. Elizabeth. Uh, it's kind of pricey, but it uses we use it in small doses, so it'll last you a long time. Plus, I really haven't seen any other brand. And it, it really adds the exotic spice and makes these drinks redolent of the scent of Jamaican air. It really does taste like Jamaica smelled. And not just all the ganja. The flavors of this drink are impeccable. It's got a wonderful Jamaican profile hitting all the marks of island cuisine. Using my one-to-one Demerara syrup brings out all the nuances of rich rum, allspice, and honey while remaining light and tropical. When mixed with the right amount of ice, this drink is so well-balanced even the 151 isn't overbearing. A very nice drink indeed. But with this drink, as good as it is, I felt my spidey sense of pattern recognition kicking in. This recipe felt awfully familiar. What was it? What was it? Hmm. Wait a minute. Let me let me flip through my my, my copy of Beach Bumberry remixed over here. Oh, oh, yep. Here it is. Here it is. It would seem that if you take a 2070 swizzle, add grapefruit juice, and blend instead of swizzle, you have a Montego Bay cocktail. Semi-rich, honey-heavy, spicy tang, but very well-balanced with the dark Jamaican rum coming through nicely. The Montego Bay recipe from Beach Bum Berry Remixed is a specimen of a tiki drink. Not only in flavor, feel, and presentation, but by nature of its parallels. Adding another juice and changing the prep method transmogrifies the potion such as a slight misutterance of incantation changes the outcome of a desired magical spell. A misrepresentation of recitation or alteration in alliteration can make or break a libation. The 2070 swizzle to the Montego Bay is what gave me the idea for this episode. But I am in no way pitting these two drinks against one another. They're both delicious. I only want to point out the correlation in flavor palettes. In fact, if you swap the Jamaican rum for rum agricole vu and add falernum to the Montego Bay, it pretty much becomes an island of Martinique cocktail, a force unto itself. We'll slide through these recipes a little quicker now that we've discussed the prevalent ingredients. The Montego Bay, as Barry tells it. One and a half ounces of dark Jamaican rum, a quarter teaspoon of allspice dram, half ounce honey mix, half ounce grapefruit juice, half ounce lime juice, six drops of Pernod, one dash of Angostura bitters, and three ounces of crushed ice. Add all the ingredients and blend on high for five seconds. Pour unstrained into a sour glass, which is kind of like a small wine glass, but I used a coupe. The dark amber liquid should settle with a nice bubbly head. Take care not to use too much ice, as even a small excess will turn this from frothy to frozen. When in doubt, use less. Barry doesn't give too much background on the Montego Bay, save that it was created by Don the Beachcomber himself. 
In the drink, you can taste Don's affinity for classic flavors, as well as his aptitude for rum genuity. I used Meyer's Original Dark for the rum. You'll notice Barry delineates Pernod from Angostura rather than combining them into Herb Saint. Although, I think he may do that for our sake and actually does use the combo in the bar. Don's secret mixes were not only to protect his recipes, but to also save time. And building 10 ingredient drinks from scratch every time while your customer's zombie buzz turns to aggravation is not great for business. The quarter teaspoon allspice dram seemed weird at first, but after experimentation, I once again flog myself for doubting the Don. It's too bland without it and too baking spicy with any more. Overall, a great cocktail. Definitely added to my home repertoire. But even in the Montego Bay, I had not yet been sated in my pursuit for the perfect Jamaican cocktail. To help me bring in fall, that algamation of citrus, baking spice, and dark rum that seems to usher in the transition from tropical summer to down-island holidays. Enter the Pampanito. Now you don't get more Jamaica than Appleton Estate rum. In fact, while I was in Montego Bay and Ocho Rios, Appleton and Ray and Nephew were the only two Jamaican rums available. Besides the fact that I like most Caribbean nations, I'm sorry, besides the fact that like most Caribbean nations, the majority of rum is exported, I got the vibe that no one in Montego Bay or Ochi was bellying up to the bar and ordering a Hampton Neat. One could procure a trash can-sized bag of high grade from anyone you stop on the street but nary a drop of Epicurean rum to be found. Not that I minded, for reasons twofold. A lot of upscale rums are sent to finish aging or blended off-island, so hats off to Appleton and J. Ray. And to be honest, I didn't go there looking to stick my pinky out. My best friend and I meant this purely as a beach bum relaxing play-it-by-ear trip. I'm sure the fine dining is tucked away somewhere, Maybe in the grill, I've heard. Appleton Estate actually plays a large part in this next drink. Martin Kate was visiting with Appleton Master Blender, Joy Spence, when she told him they take the rich, wet sugar and use it to make a rum-spiked lemonade. Kate took this idea and ran, adding a few more Jamaican flavors and some of his own tricks. Here's the recipe created by Martin Kate for Smuggler's Cove. One ounce lemon juice... 1 ounce molasses syrup, 2.5 ounces of seltzer, quarter ounce allspice dram, 1.5 ounces of black blended rum, or dark Jamaican, and 1 dash of Angostura bitters. Flash blend with 12 ounces of crushed ice and open strain into a 10 ounce highball glass. Garnish with a lemon twist. I made a few adjustments to this straight away. Since molasses is hard to come by at the regular grocery store, I tried honey syrup. I could tell this was not the flavor or consistency he was looking for, so to fabricate the rich molasses texture and flavor, I cut the one ounce molasses syrup into a half ounce of honey syrup and a half ounce of the Smuggler's Cove Demerara syrup. Now that Smuggler's Cove Demerara syrup that is usually way too sweet for me works perfectly when mixed with honey to bring this drink to perfect sweetness and viscosity. 
I also found that without the original thick molasses syrup, two and a half ounces of seltzer watered the drink down. So I decreased it to one ounce. I'm sorry, I decreased it to two ounces rather than two and a half ounces. For reference, in the recipe index tab on podtiki.com, I will have my personal recipe, the one I just described, as I think that makes this drink perfect. And wow. The Pompanito offers exquisite balance between heavy and light. Notice I didn't say medium, because it's not. You can taste both the heavy, rich molasses and a crisp tropical citrus. Light and drinkable while still boasting plenty of Jamaican flavor, methinks this libation far better than the 2070 Swizzle. Umami, spice, rum, molasses with a slight effervescence from the seltzer and crushed ice. This is exactly what I think of a true tropical tiki drink, which is exactly why I couldn't end my search here. For as great as the Pampanito is, it's kind of generic. I don't mean that in a bad way. It is just what it's supposed to be, a Jamaican alcoholic lemonade. I will for sure be returning to the Pampanito as the mercury rises come spring, but it doesn't quite have the holiday spirit I'm looking for. Sally forth, man. This next cocktail strays the most from our current palate with the addition of a truly tropical flavor. A fruit so highly regarded that the wealthy once rented them as centerpieces for parties a sign of fertility to the ancient Taino and Caribs that Columbus thought were Filipinos. I speak, of course, of the mighty pineapple. We also include another flavor closely associated with the Jamaica, though you might not think so. Ginger. Created by storied San Francisco bartender Marco Valdo Dionysos, a key member of the Smuggler's Cove team, I bring you the piñata. If you don't like this drink, you may as well turn around, walk out of the tiki bar, and hang up your coconuts. Crisp yet full-bodied, pineapple forward with a great fluffy head, and quite tropical while maintaining that sense of true tiki mystery. The sour spices of lemon and pineapple complement ginger and allspice while rich demerara and dark rum round it out. Here's Marcovado's OG recipe, then I'll give you my adaptations, which will again be in my official pod tiki recipe. Three ounces of pineapple juice, one ounce lemon juice, a half ounce demerara syrup, one ounce ginger liqueur, a half ounce allspice dram, one ounce black blended rum or dark Jamaican, and then one ounce blended lightly aged rum. That's a blended rum three years or under, light or amber, Spanish or British style. For the rums, I used Meyer's Original Dark and Plantation Three Star. As a blend of Jamaican, Barbados, and Trinidad, the plantation works in almost any cocktail requiring this style. Ginger liqueur is interesting. I used Stone's original ginger, and to be honest, it's not very gingery, and I feel like it flattens the drink out. To correct that, I substituted the ginger liqueur with Reed's Jamaican extra ginger beer. Not only to up the ginger flavor, but the slight carbonation adds the body I feel this drink desires. Flash blend with 12 ounces of crushed ice and open gate pour into a hollowed out pineapple or double rocks glass. I used the latter and I garnished with nutmeg. All I can say is hats off Mr. Dionysus. You truly live up to your namesake. But alas, there is one far greater than thee.
the final tipple in our tarry of Tawar. There is one paladin of potency that has yet to make an appearance on this litany of libation. One who, you might say, trades in the salacious salubrity of Trapiki. By the time Trader Vic was publishing recipe books, fully capitalizing on the genre he helped create, a lot of his prescriptions called for a specialty mix, Mai Tai mix or Grog mix, which he dutifully supplied under the Trader Vic trademark. Lest we forget, before it was our hobby, it was his business. But this made it very hard for Jeff Beachbum Berry to discern his recipes. Such was the case as he assiduously endeavored to reverse-engineer Vic's Navy Grog. After many sits and sips, Berry eventually figured it out. But one of his early attempts garnered a drink so delicious, it's earned its rightful place among Tiki Dome and the top spot on our current list. The beach bum named his concoction after how old he felt after imbibing in a few. I give you the Ancient Mariner. In any quest to uncover the past, especially when that past has become the subject of enthusiasm among fans, one of the tells that you're doing it right is when you not only enjoy your discovery, but it finds its way through the diaspora of revival and others enjoy it. The ancient mariner has done such, making itself a staple in temples across the land. Sadly, the original bars to pick it up have since closed, but if you see it on a menu, I suggest giving it a try, and here's why. Three-quarter ounce lime juice, a half ounce grapefruit juice, half ounce simple syrup, quarter ounce allspice dram, one ounce demerara syrup, one ounce dark Jamaican rum. Shake well with one cup of crushed ice and pour unstrained into a double old-fashioned glass. Garnish with a mint sprig and scored lemon or scored lime wedge. That's a lime wedge with the skin peeled in a decorative fashion so only the white rind shows through. It adds a nice touch, but it's only a garnish, so it's fine to use a plain old lime wedge if you see so fit. I made zero adjustments to this recipe. Myers was my Jamaican rum, and I used Pusser's as my Demerara. Okay, you caught me. So I made a wee tiny adjustment. Pusser's wouldn't usually be considered a Demerara rum, but it's made in Guyana where Demerara rum comes from, and all the flavors of the locale are there, plus Pusser's adds a little bit more in depth and flavor. If you want to be a true purist, as I usually am, use Eldorado 5-year for your Demerara. With the exception of Pusser's being the Old Navy recipe, the base spirit comes from the same region, and we know that a lot of brands use the same distilleries and same ingredients, so swapping these two rums is not that an egregious of an alteration, and it definitely adds body and flavor. The Ancient Mariner hits all of what I was looking for in an autumn-leaning Jamaican-inspired tropical cocktail. True, it's not as spicy as the Pampanito or as rich as the 2070, but it ups the tropicality and leaves us imagining the holidays rolling in on a Caribbean island when the wind picks up just so and a passing hurricane churns the tide on its way to the Florida Straits. Crisp and tart, 
Allspice comes through and dances with romantic overtures towards the mix of Jamaican and Guyana rums. A great balance of sour citrus and rich, fruity baking spice, like taking a bite of key lime pie and spice cake at the same time. Grapefruit is like the cold shower that calms the whole ordeal down while giving an over-the-shoulder wink that lets us know she's just playing hard to get. Wait, we're still talking about drinks here, right? Take a trip with the Ancient Mariner and see what depths you discover. Well, folks, I hope my long-winded pontifications helped to point out the precision of tiki drinks. How minor tweaks in flavor may go unnoticed by less discerning palates. Much the same way someone not into a certain type of music might think it all sounds the same. That doesn't mean those of us who like to think themselves on the finer side of tiki get to be pompous. I am a lover of Epicurean folly, but I can't stand the overthinking snobs who take the fun out of it. Because maybe we can distinguish black blended from pot still Jamaican. The tertiary flavor grapefruit makes when added to lime. A complexity of allspice mixed with ginger nuanced under a bed of thick molasses richness. Or maybe, just maybe, we're all full of shit and these are just different versions of the same drink. Separate pieces of art created from the same palette. And I think that's okay too. Ladies and gentlemen... My name is Tony, and this has been Pod Tiki. But wait! Sources for this episode can be found in this article at podtiki.com. Before we set sail off into this good night, I have a bit of a PSA. We all want to do our part to preserve the environment. But I, for one, am sick of those soggy, flimsy paper straws unraveling in my drink like a cheap gas station blunt. Don't let your next party be a flop by serving your guests drinks using limp, floppy straws. Head on over, head on over to SurfSideSips.com and grab yourself some premium glass straws with various lengths, widths, and designs. Surfside Sips has you covered in versatility, utility, and style that will get all your guests talking. Choose from a myriad of custom designs or keep it simple and classic. For durable, machine-washable glass straws, swizzles, and garnish picks, check out SurfSideSips.com and be sure to enter PodTiki at checkout for 20% off your order. That's all caps, all one word, P-O-D-T-I-K-I at checkout to get 20% off your order at SurfSideSips.com. I also want to give a heads up to all my Tiki cigar geeks out there. If you're looking for a cool, laid-back cigar podcast that just puffs and shoots the shit like regular fellas, check out my buddies Brett and Mark over at the Retro Hell Podcast. And last, but not least, if you're in the Nashville area, check out Faith Kelly Music, that's K-E-L-L-E-Y, on social media and YouTube. The bluesy, rocky, folky, jazzy three-piece ensemble is now booking for the end of 2021 and early 2022. Go to at Faith Kelly Music on Instagram to check out her Six Weeks of the Dead series she did earlier this summer and a bunch of other stuff. And with that, I will bid you all adieu. And I will say please drink responsibly. Thank you so much for listening. And keepy tiki out there.